Hello, lovely people. Happy New Year to you. And if you're listening to this when it's not New Year's Eve, well, then I hope your year is going well. But look, if you're after some inspiration, this conversation with Laura Casey could be just what you need. Laura was working in textile marketing, but she had this feeling she wanted to be in control of her own career. After her daughters were born, she decided to go freelance, but she also started to create her own sewing patterns. Laura started a blog and put her designs up for free, not thinking she was starting a business, but this resulted in, wait for it, 40,000 followers. So she knew she had to do something. Laura now has Sew Different. She not only creates patterns, but runs her own sewing retreats too. She's even designed her own fabric. Most importantly, Laura feels in control of what she's doing. As she says, every morning she wakes up and thinks, what work will I do today? I mean, can you imagine? Laura believes you can't wait for perfection. You just have to start and improve as you go along. She's supportive, encouraging and hardworking. Laura not only designs for others, she has designed her own life, one she loves. I'm hoping her advice will help you do the same. Welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak with some incredible people who've already started their next chapters in the hope it might help you with your next chapter. Or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, Laura Casey. Laura Casey, welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. I am delighted to be joining you in West Yorkshire. Thank you so much for joining me here. Oh, thank you. It's lovely to speak speak to you, Ellie. Lovely. Oh, it, honestly, it's lovely. I can see your lovely studio there and I can't wait to talk to you about everything because I just think your story is amazing. So thank you again for spending your time. So going straight in, as we always do, to the prologue. Now, you're in West Yorkshire now. Did you grow up in West Yorkshire? No, I didn't. I grew up in the Midlands, uh, Leamington Spa, actually, and I lived there till I was about 16. Uh, and then my parents moved around a bit after that. So there is not one, one place that I would, what I would call home more than West Yorkshire. Okay. But you um, you said you grew up in a very happy family who were very enthusiastic about creativity. But what's interesting, I find this really interesting, is that you hated both cooking and sewing in school. I think that's incredible. <laughs> I was terrible at them, honestly. I did the classic sew the apron that I was making to my skirt. Yeah. Um, I burned everything that I made. I hated the teachers. But it's the way that they're taught. They're taught as a science, really. They're taught as a, an engineering format, if you like, the, both of these things, whereas my forte is the, um, the creativity. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you enjoy at school? Because you obviously did very well at school, but what, what did you enjoy there? Uh, I liked maths. Um, I loved art. I, I went on to do a fine art degree after um, after school. Um, math, maths and English and, and art, I guess, were my oh, favourites. That's funny. Oh, theatre design. I lo- loved theatre design as well. Okay. That's funny though, isn't it? Going Because we'll talk about obviously what you have gone on to do, but isn't it interesting, and this comes up so often on this podcast, that what you, you know, we put so much emphasis on schools and our children and schools, but often what they're doing at school has got no relation to what they're likely to do in life. Yeah, it's it's a really hard one. I've I've got teenage daughters at the moment myself, and oh, I can see now that the anxiety as a parent is to is to encourage them towards I don't know a good or a safe career or a career that will make some money or a career um, that is definitely a career. Whereas my parents were just incredibly relaxed. They just said, 
whatever you do, just do make sure that you enjoy it, which was the very best advice. Mm-hmm. And and it is something I am I am trying to do myself now, yeah. my own girl. It's hard though, isn't it? What did your what did yeah. your mum and dad do as living? Uh, a teacher and a nurse. Wow. Okay. So, and I think that my dad at that point was really hating teaching, and <laughs> um, my mum worked part time while she had kids. So they were. I mean, they they did their jobs, but they neither of them really loved them. Yeah, that's interesting because they had actual, like you say, professions where you can go into. So that's kind of what you're saying. My husband and I are both journalists. And while that is a kind of profession, it's it's not quite the same as being, you know, where you can you can see where you can get to. That's much more like um, the direction I took, much more like art, which is you've kind of got to make your own career. Well, you do have to make your own career. You have to pursue it. I would have thought, I don't know, but you have to. You have to go and get it. Yeah, you absolutely do. It's not like pass that exam and you become that and then you'll be promoted to that. And so, yeah. we, yeah, we do. And all that, yeah, anyway, anyway, because we're going to go into all of this. So so moving then on to your, your first chapter. So like you say, you studied for a fine art degree. Where did you do that, Laura? I did it at Bradford, wow, okay. which is actually remarkably and completely coincidentally near where I live now. Yeah. Because I, I moved away in between. I, I went to travel the world after I'd done the degree. And the people I met in Southeast Asia and Australia happened to be from Leeds. Wow. So when I moved back here, I moved back with them. And it just happened to be from the area I had actually previously been living in. It's funny how you're sometimes drawn to areas, isn't it? You don't know, realise you are, but you are actually drawn there. You come back and back. I know, I've seen it. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I went to university in Bath and I now live in Bristol, but I've got no connection here. But I always, although my parents did live in Bath, but um, we, yeah, it's funny how you just get drawn to an area. Mm, yes, and, and I think it, it has been completely, um, maybe not lucky, but um, poignant, um, pertinent, <laughs> that um, it is the textile capital of the UK yeah, Yorkshire so I mean there are all the, the old mills here um, you know all the history um, and still lots of industry going on probably in a smaller way than it used to though yeah god that is I hadn't thought of that but absolutely you're yeah. really in the heart of there how close are you to Leeds where you are now uh, about a 15 minute drive oh okay so you're really close to Leeds oh I love Leeds it's such an amazing part of the world it's great. Yeah, it's very lively. It's full of fun, full of fun. So you um, you start your, your job then after you did your fine art degree. You, you did marketing textiles, is that right, for Walls of New Zealand? But you were also involved with exhibitions. Yes. Yeah, so I started off um, working for Walls of New Zealand in a very lowly position, but I was very, very lucky to get a creative job. It was um, a lot of kind of hand making and hand drawing and um, design concepts, um, a lot of trend forecasting, which was really fascinating. Trend forecasting is just such a, an interesting area. Um, and I taught during the course of that career, I taught myself quite a lot of computer skills. I didn't have anything before that. Um, so graphic design skills. And then um, after I'd had um, my first child, then I, I, I think I... I decided to go freelance. I had some clients. I, I did some exhibition design, um, which was, was really good fun. Um, yeah, so just a few private clients. I still worked for Walls New Zealand as well. Um, so graphic design, um, all things textile It was It was good fun. It was good fun to a point. It was okay. good fun to the point where you realise that you're, you're, you're never the boss while you have 
big clients like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll come into that. But just going back there. So when you say about um, you're forecasting trends, does that mean so, so you're predicting what everyone will be wearing next winter and things like that next summer? Yes. It was more uh, interiors, uh, interior furnishings that I work with, but they're actually very closely linked. Uh, um, interiors are about a year behind very similar themes to the fashion world yeah wow and were, were you were you accurate yes I mean I, it wasn't just me doing it it was a team um but it's amazing the things that do influence um trends it, it's things that you wouldn't really think of like um politics uh, influence color themes so uh, the period of time where there was the uh, the, that, the big Queen's Jubilee, um, you know, there was a massive amount of red, white and blue clothing in the shops. And it wasn't just, you know, like a party dress for that event. It became just a, a theme that, that, that went that way. Um, and and then you know the economy very effect much affects the color it's like it affects hemlines Mm. you know um, in booming economies the hemlines go up and um and and hemlines go down during recessions so what will we will we be wearing next year on the homes will be would you predict next year with everything that we've been going through what are we (laughs) are the hemlines going to be up or down you notice our hemlines are down at the moment it's down down people are uh, raining in that, that nobody knows what's going to happen it, that they're unsure um, I don't pay um, attention in the same way that I used to uh, because my focus now is my is my current business but um, I do know that you'll see in the home what you saw on the clothes rails the year before that's fascinating it really is so you obviously did you like lots of parts of your jobs so you did enjoy the creative side did you enjoy when you did like the graphic design and the technology did you did you enjoy that side of it as well yeah I loved it um I'd really resisted technology as well being an artist I think I just just totally you know when I was at university I was just kind of like oh who needs that I'm not interested in that at all but um Actually, I think once I got into the workplace and it's just so incredibly useful and necessary. Um, yeah, I really loved it. And I taught myself a lot, all the all the um, Adobe packages. Um, and then later, uh, as I've gone into this current business, the WordPress and, and things like that. So, yeah, they're just a great tool. Mm, so you were learning everything. And did you enjoy working in a team then? No. <laughs> I'm, no I'm not really a team player, to be honest. I'm more of a... I don't know, a one-woman fascist, whatever you call it. Yeah, I don't know. I can understand that. I can empathise. So, yeah, no, it's good. And, yeah, no, I don't mean fascist. I mean, what's the word? Dictator. Yeah, or just, you know, a lone ranger creating all your creating all your talent, you know, using all your talents to create what you do. So, no, that's that's perfectly all right. And did you, had you, because we're moving, going on to your next chapter then when you had your daughters, but... Sorry, you have two daughters, don't you? That's right, isn't it? Teenage yes. daughters, yeah. Um, mm. Obviously, you'd met your husband, Sean. Did you meet him yeah. in that area? And was he involved in art at all? Uh, yes, vaguely. He um, he was just setting up a business, a, uh, a graphic design and print um, business at the time I was just starting my career. And he was just in the very early throes of work as well. And we met through work Um and I asked him out at work, actually. Good for you. Um, and yeah, and so now he's gone on to run um, uh, a design agency and um, e-commerce business. 
which is is very helpful for me. It's back kind of just in a backup kind of way. Yeah, I bet it is. So did he actually work for the same company as you or did you just meet no, there? Meet no, no, work? we just met. We met through work. I think our company um, was one of his clients. Right. OK, that's funny. But then then you both went on to set up your own businesses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good, isn't it? It's good. So, yeah. So moving on that to that then. So so you by this stage, I think you had your two daughters. And like you were saying, you were starting to work in a freelance capacity. Pres- presumably that would that was just more doable around having babies yeah. and rather than carry on working. So did you, you actually left Walls of New Zealand, although you were still working for them at times, but you were working in a freelance capacity? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So you can pick and choose a little bit more. What were the hours like before you went freelance? What were the hours like? Uh, just very traditional um, nine till five. I mean, they were they were a good company to work for. They didn't expect you to be working till midnight or anything like that. They were they were they were decent, but I just didn't feel like I was I was going anywhere. Yeah. You didn't feel like you were in the, the right place. As you were saying about how you have to build your own career and career paths. This is what you this yeah. is what you were doing. So so you started and I this is what I just think is just as amazing. So you started a blog and you started to share your patterns. Is that right? I couldn't find I, I started to want to sew and I couldn't really find the patterns. The patterns all seemed very dated. And if you look at the McCalls and the big four, they call them uh, McCalls and Simplicity, they are very detailed with collars and plackets and cuffs and buttons. And they weren't what I wanted to wear. I wanted to wear more like um, you see perhaps in cost, these incredible, simple shapes Um I just remember looking at them thinking they've, they've got to be, they've got to be, you know, easy to make. And I started off with these very, very simple patterns. I just drafted myself and then I started to teach myself um, the, just the basics of, of pattern drafting. And I just put them up for free. I'd, I'd make them just in my size because I, I didn't have any knowledge about um, grading patterns at that point. Um, so I just used to put them up online at, for free and say oh here's one I've just done you can have it and um I didn't know that it was going to have quite the effect that it did but what it did was it I built a phenomenally uh, large number of followers on um Pinterest very very quickly um and, and I think once I once I got that big audience, I thought, oh, this is something I could do something with. So did you when you put that first um, pattern up, did you have any? I mean, I we, I have interviewed people about Pinterest and I still try and get my sort of head around it. But, so forgive my ignorance because I find all of it. So and Instagram, all of it. So um, hard to get get my head around. But so with Pinterest, you put it up. You didn't have any followers at all then. You literally just you just did it. And then somebody sort of sees it and they like it and they start following you is is, is that how it works in the same way as perhaps in Instagram does as well yeah you put a post up of a, a picture and you use the correct hashtag which would be free sewing pattern and then you realize there are absolutely zillions of people out there who are searching the term free sewing pattern right um and so the people who um then are guided to your website because of that um, is way more than it would be for just any kind of, um, I don't know, any kind of normal writing that you would do. It's because you're giving something away, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So did people, they started, they, they, but presumably they were sewers looking for patterns exactly like what you were looking for? Yes. And there is a lot of, a lot of free stuff out there, particularly I think in America, 
Um, there are huge sites, you know, all free sewing patterns, I think is the, the massive one. And um, people, I think, I suppose they they just upload things that they've, yeah, I think um, crafters who are amateur or, um, or, or maybe the professionals just do a small sideline one and put it on there and it, it guides people to their site. And these days, you don't have to buy an enormous sewing pattern. You can um, download and it's um, printable in a format uh, on A4 that you can then stick together to make a larger page. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because I interviewed actually on this podcast, John Scott. I'm not sure if you, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes, he's amazing. And um, lots of his lovely listeners have become my lovely listeners or rather that his followers because he does his shows yeah. in that. And the sewing world, I've learned, is such a supportive, lovely world. I mean, they're really passionate. Incredible compared to other... Um, to, to other networks it's very uncritical it's also extremely inclusive mm. um yeah it's really it's lovely mm-hmm. sort of very bonding so when you so you ended up in that first year I think you had like 40,000 followers which is huge <laughs> that is amazing Laura but how did you did did that come by just doing what you were doing and and hitting sort of your right audience or did you start to learn how to attract more followers as well on Pinterest no I, I learned I, I learned I did I was somebody who didn't ever use social media perhaps like you yes um I didn't even have Facebook for myself I didn't do Facebook um so I did I read up on um uh, Pinterest and then later on Instagram I learned what an algorithm was and I learned how to set up a business account I I, I did the research on on how to to gain followers which is different for each um different channel um yeah and it was just it was just nothing it is nothing that anybody couldn't do anybody could do it but you just have to put the time in yeah it's interesting isn't it because it because I think when you don't know it seems so daunting because still to me I mean it's in my, yes. it's my sort of um for next year I want to sort of really start to try and learn a bit more to, to understand it rather but at the moment I just put something up and like then I cringe and walk away but um in sort of just hope for the best but you know for, again from doing these podcasts like you say like you know it's it's really because it's amazing because you've created a whole sort of business from it but it's there isn't it it's not you're giving something people want so it's not like you're trying to sell you know you're not doing anything wrong it's it's brilliant and it's just understanding how this world works yes and it was I was just putting up my uh, putting up my designs and they were very basic to begin with um and I wasn't asking anything for them and it wasn't really until people started saying do you do this in other sizes can, I, can we have a size other than a size 12 which <laughs> fair do's uh-huh, yeah. and I thought right okay well I, I need to learn to grade and I need to um do, do a paper pattern maybe um I did some very short runs of the initial I think my first three patterns were the um the tulip dress the essential denim dress I can't remember the third one. Oh, the cocoon jacket wow and they're still they're still good sellers of mine now actually are they really so how did you then start to t- when you saw this and you obviously saw that you really were onto something and like you say you're still I mean obviously you had your background of your first chapter but how did you start to turn it into actually a bit a business well, um, as I said, I learned to use WordPress, which meant that I could create a website. I wanted to have a website that I could control, that I didn't have to go to a developer each time to to make a change because it was constantly changing. Um, so I used to um, post a you know a blog post about something I'd made, um, which was sometimes a free a free pattern for people to download. Um, and then after I guess I think I've been going about a year. 
um, when I um, decided to launch a, a multi-size pattern that was for sale. And how old were your daughters at this stage? Well, I don't know. It was seven years ago. So I guess they were around seven. Okay. Okay. And eight. So this was, it kind of really was evolving. And it's interesting as well how it invo- evolves. That was quite a good age. Then they're you know, you, but yeah. you can start to be doing a little, you start sowing the seeds and then you can start building on it as sort of life allows you a little bit more. I didn't really have any um, expectation that it was going to make any money when I started it, you know, that it was going to be a business. It was just a thing that I was doing so that I could be completely autonomous with my creativity. I didn't have to um, answer to the people who were holding the purse strings, which is really what happens when you're any kind of um, a creative person who mm. who is working um, for somebody else. So do you feel it gave you a, a sense of freedom to be able to do that, even without yeah. the money side, just that in your own mind? Absolutely. I didn't have to think, oh, is this right? I just think, oh, well, that's what I want to do, so I'll do it, mm. which is lovely. Yeah, it is. That's interesting. It's also very brave, I think, because you're doing it, you're doing it without sort of so, I think because sometimes we all need a kind of a, a like a, a pr- approval and permission and someone saying, oh, yes, yes. But actually, when you're just doing it, but you're doing it for you and those people who are wanting your patterns, that I think it's, I think it's brave to do that. But also, I think it's the most liberating, amazing thing, because you know, you're you're seeing what they actually want. It's kind of easy, actually, because you just do what you want to do. And then actually, as it evolved, I started to look at Google Analytics and they that started to tell me who my audience were because I hadn't known previously. It started to tell me the age group and the audience and where they lived. And then that's fascinating in itself. So I realised that my audience were um, really primarily aged 45 to 65. Mm. Um, and I think those are women who have got time you know, maybe their children are getting older and then they have the time to sew. And they also are really, a lot of people are really struggling with body shape at that time. And buying stuff in the shops that they feel good in is really, really hard. Mm. Um, as you get older, an older woman, I think, you become less standard in your shape and and therefore it becomes just really difficult. Mm-mm. Do you find as well, if you're wearing something and for people who do it, who wear something that they've made themselves, do you think it makes them feel a little bit more special to know that they ha- are oh, wearing something like that? Totally. I mean, it is, sewing is not about um, having a garment. It, that's only just a, a part of it. It's about um, the process. So I think I always look at it... Um, particularly when I think we talk about how much sewing costs these days it isn't a cheap pastime and it isn't an economy to sew anymore um it is it is creativity it's a pastime it's entertainment um and it's learning and then at the end you have a garment as well so it's all of those things mm-hmm. and when you go back to when we were saying at the beginning that you didn't enjoy sewing at school when did you start to enjoy sewing uh well I enjoyed sewing uh, from when I was about 17, but I wasn't sewing garments. I was doing fine art at that time um, and I was doing fine art textiles. So I'd actually done loads and loads of sewing, but not garment making. It was fine art textiles. So I was sewing plastics and um, ribbons and papers and all kinds of fibres, um, you know, making wall hangings and all kinds of things but not exactly as you would imagine my background to be, really. No, but it's amazing how it's all come together. It's fascinating because now you've designed, I think I've got this right, you've designed your own fabric. Uh, Yes, I have. That's amazing, Uh, Laura. It's amazing. 
Uh, I, I've loved that. I've really loved that because that has been um, that's enabled me to use my painting within my business. So um, I've, I've I think particularly during lockdown, I did a lot of painting. Um, and botanical subjects have always interested me. And then those have moved into fabric designs. The whole thing is a little bit on hold at the moment because there are massive production issues um, with the whole COVID situation. There are production issues, I think, everywhere. Mm. Um, so I'm just taking a step back from the fabric at the moment and trying to decide how to progress it. But we'll see. Yeah. Together again. My research was done online. Okay. Um, because originally we printed in Korea because they Korea have the best reputation in the world for cotton printing. Their they, quality is absolutely beautiful. Um, and then I, I, the issue I had with that really was the, um, the, the the eco side of it. That the transportation halfway across the world wasn't quite what I wanted. I. Um, so I, I really tried to put a huge amount, hours and hours and weeks and weeks of effort into trying to source somewhere in the UK that would um, print. And I just, there is just nowhere. I probably might be inundated now with people saying, we do it, we do it. But really, I mean, there are, there are lots of places that will do something small or but but not a really good quality. And then I was had some bad experiences Um with producers over here as well so again that's another reason why I'm on hold but now I'm I think I've got a kind of um I think I, I'm, I might have a contact that's a bit more of a halfway house so not in the UK but not very far away either okay well that could be good yeah it goes to show doesn't it especially like you say that you're in Yorkshire you would think that you know but uh, you know back in the day can you imagine there were these places doing this but this is yeah. maybe, maybe it's time for it to come full circle and somebody starts their own next chapter you know if they're listening to this this could be a way of doing it but um but yes, but I mean, your, your business has gone on. I mean, you're doing so many different things now, aren't you? Like you say, you've got so many different ideas, but you're even having, um, you, you've had your own sort of like sewing retreats as well, haven't you? Oh, they've been really successful, actually. And they, I mean, that is funny the way they, they evolved. I um, I was feeling so envious of my husband who was going away on a, um, a snowboarding holiday again. And it, it wasn't that I minded him going away at all. I was just totally envious of the fact that he was going with a group of friends to do an activity that they were all interested in. And I just thought, oh, that's, that would be great. Because I'd go away with my girlfriends, but it was mainly focused around drinking too much wine and yes. eating too much food, you know, which is, is fun. But I just thought to have an activity that would just bring another whole element to a holiday. So I thought, right, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a sewing holiday. Um, with a friend of mine and I looked everywhere I looked everywhere and there was just nothing out there that, that there were some very dry looking courses which like how to build a bodice block this is really not really of any interest to me um and so I thought right I'm going to I am going to create this weekend away that I want to go on which means that I've never really been able to attend it in the way I would have yeah. liked <laughs> yeah you have to be a special guest one day so and and so where did you where did you do your first one um in a very beautiful historic building um oh, I forgot the name of it it's just south of Huddersfield wow. but um I wanted a, a really pretty venue in the countryside uh, and it was lovely there but then after a while um I think they changed the uses of the building so I moved across to Cannon Hall which is another fantastic beautiful building um but after about a year there I think I decided that the the light the natural light just wasn't good enough and it's so key when you're sewing and creating to have natural light and so finally now I do it from my own studio 
um, which is which is here just south of Leeds. Wow. Okay. And what will people come and stay nearby? Will they come for a couple of nights now? Yes. Yes. Two or three nights. Most people stay. Um, and there are I, I give a list of you know local hotels. Um, and then usually by the second um, night, they've, they've all made friends with each other and they go out and go out in the evenings together sometimes. Um, and during the day, it's lovely. We start off with a um, trip to Fabworks Mill Shop, which is a great, big, um, amazing mill shop um, full of lovely fabrics. And um, we ha- have a shopping spree and I, I talk through all my patterns. So I explain and the kind of fabrics that you're going to need. I talk about body shape and what's going to suit you. And I talk about the amount of experience that they've had. And so whether they're looking for something that's a challenge or whether they want to do something easier. So I help people to choose their pattern they take the pattern with them to fabworks fabworks staff are incredibly knowledgeable and also know my patterns and help them make the right choices because making the right choice of the right fabric for the right pattern is absolutely key to having a a good garment at the end um and then we come back and we 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 sew Mm. we sew um and everybody's working at their own level because um that's the way that the course is set up so that you you do what you want to do and then in between we eat lots of nice cake and afternoon tea and a little bit of prosecco and i love it it sounds amazing i don't even sew and i would love to come it sounds brilliant but it and again it must be quite a bonding kind of time very very it is i have a massive rebook uh, rate on on my retreats and i think it's because people make friends there Mm. lots of people come alone most people come alone um Although you do get some mother-daughter combos, which are really nice. It's nice to see that. Um, and friends. Um, but yes, they. I think they, they, they come and they have fun. And it's all about the chat and all about um, yeah, seeing what everybody else is doing. It's inspiring. It really inspires you. So, sewing is quite solitary usually. But, uh, mm. I can imagine it's a little bit like it's like when you're walking with someone. You can, sometimes, if you're doing something, perhaps you speak a little bit more openly than what you would normally do, like sitting next to a stranger. But when you're doing something, you've instantly got that common bond that you love sewing, and it just sort of relaxes everyone. You can launch into a conversation straight mm. away. Mm. Yes, when there is a subject yeah. in front. Of you. Yeah. And it's it's amazing because when you think this has all come, how this has all come about. And and I also I think I read that with that first day when you actually modelled your own design. So, I mean, I think that but I think that's so um, well, I mean, I'm, I think you make a very good model, excellent model. But to do that, you know, you said that that was a really brave moment for you. Um, but to do that, but look at what it's now created and now you're, you're bringing women in, in all different sort of areas at different times of life, just all you're bringing them all together. That must feel amazing to you. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I, I love going to the shows that I, the ones I've just come back from um, in um, London and um, Harrogate, because that's the time when I meet my audience and I get feedback from them and they come up to me and say, oh, I've, I've made this and I love it. I've made it eight times in eight different fabrics or... Um, I never would have thought to choose this pattern until I looked. Um, I've got this section on my website that says what what pattern will suit me, will suit my body shape. And and I looked at that and that was really helpful. And so it is lovely to speak, to actually speak to people because within an online business, there is always that distance. Um, So to see people face to face and 
see the impact that you're having I guess is Mm. is great Mm. and if someone's listening to this who doesn't sew but they're thinking hang on this sounds good and I would like to find something that I feel special in that I make for myself where would they begin do you need to have any basic sewing skills to be able to begin to do this no it's amazing in fact this happened during lockdown I was out for a walk with a really old friend of mine who is a um, statistician she is very She's very mathematical and would consider herself to be totally uncreative, I think. And I was talking about my business and I said, oh, you know, actually, lots of people who sew, at least 50% are not really what you would call creative people, although they are creating. They are, and they need to have good instructions because what they want is they want to follow the instructions. And and for that reason, I was saying I have to put a lot of effort into my instructions, Um and I have to make them really, really clear because a lot of people are unsure about the creative side of it. Um, and they have to have a very, very solid structure from which to start. And she was one of those people. And then it was just me saying that. She started saying during lockdown, and now she is phenomenal. Is she? <laughs> I can't believe it, the skills that she has picked up. And she hasn't been to any classes or anything. She has just looked online. I think every it's so easy, actually, to learn online now. You, you can buy a sewing pattern, make sure it's an easy one. Um, make sure you follow the instructions. Every time you come across something that you you don't understand or you don't know what it is, you just look up the terminology online and you will find tuition for for everything. It really is is much easier and less daunting than you would think. And you're creating something that you would love to wear. And that would be when you go out for dinner in your, in your dress, or whatever. I mean, how special. But also you're, you're sort of like you say, you can take you can become part of an amazing community as well, as well as then not spending lots of money on fashion, which we all throw away as well. So it's a kind of win win all round, really, isn't it? Yes. Well, one of the hashtags that's commonly used is slow fashion. It Mm. is it is the opposite of fast fashion. It is something that you take your time to to make. You enjoy the process. Um, You get something that fits you. Um, And then you get the pleasure when people say, oh, did you make that? (laughs) Well, I did actually. Yes. Yeah. Do you wear most of your own, like what you're wearing now, which looks very nice on screen. But is that is that something you made? Actually, this is and this is I'll just stand up so you can see it. This oh, is yeah. just a little short. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. A, it's just it's a little jacket. Yeah, short top. And it's going to be a free pattern again, actually, um, to go with my new range. Um, I've just I've just bought out a range of patterns called Layer Up, which are a coll- collection of nine patterns that work together for you to layer over each other. Um, I think people often struggle with what to put with what. So they you make a long dress and uh, you, you have to you have to wear a short jacket with a long dress. You can't wear a a long jacket it looks too drowning so you have to get the shapes right and um and, and this layered look is is quite fashionable anyway and so these these nine garments work together uh, and this is just um something i'm going to do as a little freebie in the new year just something to wear over a um nice and easy to throw on but to wear over a, a dress or a skirt yeah, for the for the listeners, it's a lovely short top, which which really is. Laura's standing up again. It's really stylish, Laura. That yeah, that is very yeah. It's very I yes. You're gonna have to have a look for that pattern because it is it is amazing. But when you think when you go back to again to that first job that you had, and you said then you know you felt you know you because your creativity does get blocked. But now you're using pretty much all your skills, aren't you? You're you're everything you've learnt. You you're even from the 
the the WordPress to the to the you know your sewing to your art to your communicating with people. I mean, absolutely everything, and you're channeling it into something for a job that you can fit around your family. I know you try and finish it around about half past three. That must feel amazing to you, Laura. Yeah, it's great. I, I particularly love that I can fit it around the family because um, it is, you know, bringing up children is 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 difficult, or it's it, you have to be there. You have to be there, don't you? You do. How yeah. old are your daughters now? Oh, so they're sixteen and fourteen. Right. And so even even at sixteen and fourteen, yeah, they like you to be around. And if you're not around, then you miss the chat. And that's the fun bit. I mean, I really love teenagers. I think lots of people say, "Oh, it's awful," and but I prefer the teenagers to the babies. Actually, I think that they're they're fun and their problems are easier to solve than baby problems. A lot of people would disagree with that. No, I love it. It's refreshing to hear. As a mum of two boys who are not yet into the teenagers, and I've been slightly dreading them. This is—I know they're girls, but I'm—that I'm, makes it sound a lot better. So that's—it's nice to hear someone speak like that. Yes. Well, you—I think unless you are around to hear all the little bits of chit chat, they're not going to suddenly come to come to you with a problem. That if you do, if you don't have a habit of talking to them a lot, mm. so. Um, I've enjoyed being around. It's been good. Although I'll just I'll just qualify that with when I did first start about seven years ago, I do remember my youngest one saying to me in a real temper one day, why can't you just be a proper mum? And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, just can't you stop sewing? Yeah. Well, you're just always you're just knocking up a few dresses for them. I mean, it, um, a, that's a good mum. It's a good mum. But do you think as well it is I have this conversation quite a lot with my husband that sometimes I mean, when you say you're there, it's just sometimes it is, isn't it? Just having that presence there that makes the difference, not even that you're sort of hovering around, sort of making them or ferrying them or anything like that. But just actually having that presence is is can be so important. That's it, because I'm not a great um I'm, you know, I'm not a great mum when it ter- comes to like doing the washing and I don't know keeping the house tidy or anything like that. I'm, but I am there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. No. Making a dress as well, which is even better. Do they wear? Do you make dresses for them? Um, when they were little, oh yes, I used to make them. You know, fantastic twirly dresses. I did, and for that jubilee we were talking about, I made eight little girls amazing union jack dresses and they all matching with the little headbands and big ruffles in their hair it looks oh they look lovely i've got photographs of it um and then they went through a period of time where it's like when they didn't really want me to make them anything which uh, uh, and totally understandable but now actually it's coming back to it my daughter who is 16 is starting to go to festivals so leeds fest for example this year um yeah and we had quite a fun time making her some outfits there we were doing some tie dyeing and bleach painting onto jeans and um, I was making her some little crop top thing and yeah it was it was good fun yeah how lovely that's a lovely thing to do together and do you ever make anything for your husband no because <laughs> because his mum sewed and he hated it. He hates the sound of a sewing machine. <laughs> Does he? That's it. You couldn't make him a new uh, snowboarding outfit then or anything like that. He wouldn't like it. Oh, no, no. <laughs> he is super supportive and so has been so, so brilliant, so long as I don't make him anything. Yeah, well, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and your studio where you are now, is that at your home? No, no, this is my... Uh, no, this is an office space. Right. Um, so it's... um. It's a hub, a business hub. 
so I've got a, a, a large, you can probably see it, a large, a large room. If I show you around, you can see I've got, um, this, mm. this is a, a fleet of sewing machines I've just invested in. Wow. So I've, got, I've got a sponsor, Benina, and I've just um, invested in 12 um, sewing machines for my retreats. That's amazing. Um, and then behind there, you can probably see yeah. my samples. Um, and then further around, you've got there all my stock. So that's all my, all my paper stock. Yeah, that's all for work table in the middle. Amazing. And so will you leave that? Do you make a conscious thing that you leave there, um, say at half past three, um, and then you do you try not to work at all or do you work a little bit in the evenings as well? Uh, occasionally, now the girls are older, I'll, I'll do some work. If everybody's out, which they are often out, socialising and things, then I, I'll do a bit of work in the evenings. But I think you you, you get sucked into home life once you get home. Mm. In it, it, I, I tend to just work at work and um I, actually I do social media at home I do so you know I'll sit down with a cup of tea and think right I'll post a picture today or mm. that's a really nice balance though you sounds like it sounds like you sort of got it cut off that it doesn't sort of all merge into one so moving on to your um to be continued I love this Laura when I asked you this over an email you said um you have more ideas for so different um than you can possibly actually achieve so what do you yeah it must all be but there's just I mean what you've done already it's from putting up that first pattern to what you know, running these amazing retreats so what would you like to do what do you think you would like to do next I'd like to find a way of making the fabrics work as I said they, they, they've started and they've stalled but I think to be able to make garments that are your own design in fabrics that are your own design I think that really is the ultimate um the ultimate for me but the other issue I have is that I don't really want to build my big business too big it's it's all about the lifestyle for me I'm doing something I love I've got my family and I don't want to turn it into some massive corporation mm. uh, so um I don't know it's ma- managing it Man- managing it to keep it right for me but still being able to develop it as well Mm, mm. yeah but I'm sure you you will because as your family have got older it's developed hasn't it it's naturally developed so you'll just slowly do whichever area and you know it's amazing about the fabric would you like to um forgive me if you do already but would you like to sell your designs in shops um my patterns yeah um I do actually already do you um I don't um I do wholesale and I sell to um Minerva for example who are the biggest um online uh retailer of, of haberdashery and fabrics in the UK um and at Fabworks uh, and various other small businesses around the country I don't I don't chase it I don't chase wholesale but if somebody comes to me saying that they'd like to wholesale I do um and I, I do good rates for, so that I try and make my rates um good for other small businesses a lot of small businesses can't afford to invest a huge amount in in a in a in a bit of a gamble you know in new stock so i i say you've only got to buy 10 patterns um to get a wholesale rate which Mm. is not many and it makes it affordable for most other people Mm -hmm. because it could it could just grow and grow couldn't you like you say then you could go down that route and then you're that starts taking you away from some of the other things that you're doing as well yes that's it it's a it's a matter of focusing on what you enjoy there are almost so many options in a business um choosing which route to take is is the hard thing i think mm-hmm. reining it in almost is is and focusing on the, the really good bits yeah that, what's 
that's yeah. true to focus. In fact, when you're speaking, it reminds me because my very favourite book of all time and favourite character is Emma Hart. I don't know if you've ever read it from um, The Woman of Substance, a book by um, oh. Barbara Taylor Bradford, and she started off yeah. sewing and then she ended up building this great big empire. So you're going to have to be a bit careful. And she was based in Leeds. So you're going to have yeah, to be careful there, Laura. You don't want to end up like Emma Hart. She ended up with a shop that was actually Harrods in real life. <laughs> really? Yeah. And so... Was she unhappy or happy with that? Uh, she was happy, but I think it was the same old thing. Money doesn't buy the happiness. And there was a yeah. lot of heartache along the way. She, yeah, she, yeah a okay. lot of that. You have to read the book now, Laura. You have to I read the book. Yeah, real life, them heart. I absolutely love reading. So, yeah, I need to try it. Yeah, try that, try that. So, so you're, going back to our, our own little book here, your acknowledgements, who would you like to thank who's helped you along the way? Uh, well, definitely my husband. I mean, he has just sat in the background and said oh you can do that you can do that uh, and you know over and over again which has, has been great and I think there are lots of people along the way um who just maybe a slightly larger businesses than me who've just said oh you can do that yeah. um and you you go with it and then of course all of my audience who've been really loyal actually and 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 kind and people have been terrifically kind when you've made mistakes I've found and mistakes do go out there and um oh even this weekend we've had a black friday sale just trying to get rid of some old stock so we can put bring some new in oh i've sent out a whole batch of things wrong and people <laughs> they're so nice they come to me laura this is lovely but it isn't actually what i ordered i'm sorry sorry ah uh, but that just well i would imagine you're very nice to them and that makes a difference but isn't that i mean the, the fact that you're like you say there with your husband, it goes to show, doesn't it, that those to have a husband like that or to have a partner or to have a friend or someone who's just because if you've got any negativity, it's very hard to be positive yeah. all the time, isn't it? Especially in those yeah. early days and being so brave like you did to, you know, you wore your own designs. And for you, you felt that, that was a massive step, but you really stepped over the line to have somebody like that saying you can do this m makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yes, I mean he. As I've said, he's not he's not very hands on with the sewing at all. But it's just, uh, it just sometimes he'll just give a little shrug and say, "Well, you can do that," and, and that you know makes all the difference. Yeah, it really does. It really does. So, so on that note, so for tips and advice. Now, I this we're recording this as we just head into December. It's likely to go out sort of actually, I think even on New Year's Eve. So, and oh. um, when uh, somebody could be listening to this, and those bells are going to start chiming, and a new year is going to begin. <laughs> so. What would you say, you know, as especially as a new year and everyone's thinking of new chapters and new beginnings and that, what is your advice? First of all, to someone who was in your perhaps your position um, when you were in your last job that you kind of, you knew that you liked working in something, you knew you had these skills, but it, you, you just, you know, you felt blocked really. You couldn't be you and you, you wanted to take a bit more control. What would you say to that person? How could they find exactly what you found, something that suits them so well? Well, I would say... You just have to start. Um, you can't wait for perfection. You can't wait until you know what you're doing. You have to just make a start and then improve it afterwards or hone it afterwards. I think if I had known what I know now, I think I'd have felt intimidated, but I was never trying to get to, to this point. I was, it just evolved. 
So make a start. That's all I say. And like you, I mean, you like you said, you didn't enjoy sewing at school. Um, but look, you've created a whole thriving business out of it. So if but obviously there was something inside you that you enjoy that side of things. So if there's something that someone's thinking, but I do enjoy that. Oh, but I'm not very good at it. I didn't go to a school about it. I didn't do very well at school. I didn't go to university about it. But there's something that they love, a little passion. Where would you suggest they begin? Oh, you can learn anything online these days. You really, I, I really wouldn't. Um, I mean, school's all well and good, but it really is just a very, very blunt instrument. It, it's just trying to give you some kind of education. Um, and really learning is about teaching yourself these days. There, there are all the facilities out there. Uh, and it's slow going. I don't think there's any magic wand. It, it takes time and it takes time and it takes effort. And if there was a, a quick win everybody would be doing it there isn't a quick win um but pursue things that you enjoy that's the key to it Mm. and when you're at those shows or with your sewing retreats for you that feeling must be so worth all the hard work oh it's absolutely it's amazing yeah I mean I can hardly believe what I'm doing really how I spend my days I I get up every morning and think oh what should I do today I can I can do some marketing I could do some designing I could do some dressmaking I could Mm, I, I, the choice is mine it's it's nice to be able to get up and do what you're in the mood for that day oh, I think that's an amazing new year's resolution for all of us Laura Casey thank you so much for being such a lovely and fabulous guest on the next chapter thank you Ellie it's been a pleasure to talk to you so there you are what did you think of that I loved speaking with Laura There she was in her studio doing what she chooses, what she loves, and she's helping others too. It's such an inspiration. I took from that, don't wait for perfection. It takes time and effort, yes, but then doesn't anything worthwhile? And if you find that something you love doing, well, imagine waking up each morning and choosing to do that. Now, you can learn more about Laura and her very brilliant designs at sodifferent.co.uk. You can keep up to date with me at elliebarkerwrites.com. I would love, love to hear from you. And if you could rate and review this episode, even subscribe, then, well, that would be wonderful and may even help someone else discover their next chapter too. This is the last in this series and of my first year of making these podcasts. I'll be back next year, fear not, with some more incredible guests. But in the meantime, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming along with me in my next chapter. Thank you also to Laura for being such a fabulous guest to end this series with. And thank you to all my guests. Your stories are helping us all. So remember, don't wait for perfection. Wake up and live that life you want. I think you can do it. And Laura thinks so too. Speak soon.